0: Life is made of teeny catalytic moments of immense impact. When strung together, the transformation is magical. Join us and let's color outside the lines. Welcome to the Catalyst Podcast. In this episode, you're going to meet Shafali Ravula. She is a board-certified physician's assistant for 20 years. She graduated from the University of Texas in Austin in 1997 and graduated from the University of Texas Southwestern Physician Assistant Program in 99. After several years of working in Seattle in internal medicine inpatient care of oncology patients, she and her husband moved to Austin and she began working at Austin Gastroenterology. It was around this time she began taking a deep dive into nutrition courses and started her lifelong journey into nutrition education. During a hiatus from medical practice while raising her young children, she began teaching cooking classes in Austin. She ultimately became a food writer, food as medicine instructor, and kitchen coach for patients. During this time, she continued expanding her nutrition knowledge by attending nutrition conferences for medical providers, taking CME courses, and beginning the Institute for Functional Medicine Certification process. She has worked in GI, addressing gut health, IBS, inflammatory bowel disease, and uses her nutrition knowledge base all the way up until the pandemic began. And then she decided to pursue her true passion of integrative and lifestyle medicine. She joined the wellness center at NAU Urology and Armor Men's Health in 2020, She primarily worked with metabolic dysfunction, hormone imbalances, heart disease, insulin resistance, obesity, and IBS patients in this unique position. After two years, she decided to open Precision Metabolic Health, a virtual telehealth functional nutrition and lifestyle medicine micropractice using culinary medicine for digestive and metabolic health. At PMH, she helps guide patients in a medical philosophy that is an intersection of lifestyle medicine, functional medicine, prevention medicine, and the burgeoning field of nutrigenomics. The foundation of it all is food as medicine, and she simultaneously launched the Food as Medicine Academy, which is open to the public. Enjoy this lively discussion with Shafali and learn all about how food is medicinal in your life. Welcome to the Catalyst podcast, Shafali Ravula. She is a mom of two, hails from Texas. So excited to talk to her because she is like the opposite of me in the fact that she is a goddess of food, like a wizard of food and spices. And I am in awe of her creativity. It's endless. So thank you for coming on the podcast, Shafali. Please introduce yourself.
1: Hi, I'm Shafali. Laura, it's so great to be here and chat with you. And uh, I love talking about food and nutrition and gut health and cardiometabolic health and everything else. And we could just go on for hours, right?
0: (laughs) Yes, and we will. Well, we'll try and keep it short, right? But I feel like we have such a similar parallel path. I mean, you're conventionally trained physician's assistant in the system for so long. In fact, in urology of all places,
1: right? Actually gastroenterology for most of the time, and then a brief stint in urology, but in the urology practice, I didn't do any urology. Uh, I was uh, the person that they, the urologist team referred to within the office for functional and lifestyle
0: medicine. That's amazing. And also very progressive because as you and I both learned through our trainings, you know, holistic functional medicine can be used in every facet, every specialty. I mean, who couldn't benefit from learning how to lower inflammation and all sorts of things. So tell me, what was a pivotal moment that made you think, wow, I, I like what I'm doing, but I really want to do more. Yeah. You mean
1: when I was in that practice or even before? So even before. Yeah. I, I mean we can backdate it to the original the, the the moment, you know, that sort of put me on the yes. nutrition path was the catalyst moment. The catalyst moment. Um I love that you bring everything to the catalyst moment. <laughs> it's this is going to date me, but I'm rounding in the bone marrow transplant unit at the Fred Hutch Cancer Research Center just, you know, 3 years out of grad school and I get paged on my pager. <laughs> Oh yeah, uh, the page is to my husband who works on another floor, and says your dad just had a heart attack, and he's in the hospital, and you need to fly home now. So, yeah, he you know. So, long story short, I'm thinking he had a heart attack. He's you know, not even 54 and he's thin and he's vegetarian. I don't understand Uh, what, you know, no one taught me anything about nutrition uh, and the fact that that it actually impacts cardiovascular health. Right. And so long story short, he, he had a heart attack, survived. And since then I've been on this path of learning about nutrition and uh, cardiovascular, cardiometabolic health and Gastroenterology was sort of a blip in everything because it was the job that I found when we moved to Texas um, from Washington State. But it was so foundational because, think about it, that's where we absorb our nutrition.
0: Yes, that's yeah. an ideal start for you. I mean, right? Because you had to learn from a personal tragedy, and thankfully, I'm so glad your dad is okay.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, you know, and and a lot of us that enter into functional medicine through the conventional back door, it is because of some kind of personal story whether it's our own health or a family member we start to question and that's not to say that the whole system is wrong but just that when it comes to these little mysteries these tiny you know catalyst moments that can stack up into big impact you learned that nutrition can have a huge play into cardio metabolic health and now that's become your passion i mean you can literally prescribe spices and food and really dive deep into culinary medicine. And I would love to learn more about what that means to you and how you, how you explain that in, in, you know, contrast to Ayurvedic medicine, et cetera, et cetera. Oh yeah. Great question. So I,
1: I think of culinary medicine as, uh, so I, 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 my, in our practice, we offer a culinary medicine toolkit. So That toolkit is essentially using food and everything within food. So macros, micros, non-nutrients, everything within food to help empower the patient to mold their health outcome. And so that can look like a lot of different physiologic processes. Obviously you could put food as medicine into any one of those functional medicine, you know, specialties or conventional medicine specialties. Um, so the, the, so it's really applying the science of food. Like think of Alton Brown. Do you remember him on? I love him. Yes. Gosh. Like I used to watch him religiously and he has, um, a, a guest on the show often. And I, oh my God, I can't believe I'm forgetting her name, but she has a brilliant cookbook, several cookbooks that are food science based. So, so just the science of food and food chemistry and how it impacts our biochemistry. So I had to take biochemistry all over again because I was like, wait a second, I really need to understand uh, how food is impacting the Krebs cycle and methylation and all that. So that's where the culinary medicine can get a little bit more scientific versus just looking at it from a macro point of view. Like it's not just protein, carbs, fats, fiber that I'm looking at it's a much deeper level. And so my food is medicine Academy gets into the science piece of it a little bit more than, you know, just going to maybe a regular dietitian and saying, right, help me, you know, lose weight or whatever.
0: Right. I mean, these are all very important distinctions and macros are great fats, carbs, proteins. That's for those that might not know what a macro is. Yes. That's a great place to start. And for some of us, maybe a little you know, nudge with a health coach or even just an app. There's tons of free apps. My favorite is chronometer. I think that's Mm -hmm. how you say it. I love using that to track mine. And that might be just all you need. But for those patients that are still struggling, wondering why, I love that you mentioned the Krebs cycle. I mean, I think any of us would agree going into functional medicine, it is like going back to biochemistry 101 again. I mean, I had to review everything and just write it all out. And it's literally on my wall because I, you know, looking at how things are broken down and how every little part can be impacted by genetics and by, you know, circadian patterns and other things. I mean, it's great that you're taking that deeper into the science part of it. And so fun to geek out about that. What would you say is, do you have like a favorite part of biochemistry? Like, are you a Krebs cycle gal? Like what's your favorite part? Hmm.
1: I would say the one I constantly learn about is the methylation, all the, you know, the five wheels of the methylation cycle. So that is not my favorite because it is, there is so much to figure out. So I'd say the Krebs cycle is my favorite and yes. honestly, like true energy metabolism, like fat metabolism, glucose metabolism is very, very fascinating to me because Understanding energy metabolism at that cellular level really affects how I prescribe diet, right? So, I'm about to give a talk on fatty liver um, disease. So, prescribing diet for fatty liver disease to a group of gastroenterologists, and you know, it's really it's for for me to be able to tell somebody what diet to prescribe. You really have to understand energy and fat. Metabolism. And, and I think we actually still really don't know a lot. Like we're still very confused. Lots of people are still on thinking that dietary cholesterol impacts your LDL level, which is completely not true you know, so, and the confusion amongst or, or between saturated fat intake and its impact on the body versus, you know, cholesterol intake and the impact on the body. So, so much to unpack there. Laura.
0: <laughs> yes. And then I love that you mentioned this, which I think is a very common pain point for a lot of providers. It doesn't matter what side of the fence you're on, allopathic, osteopathic, conventional, whatever admitting that you don't have the answer fully is difficult for all of us. And I think in our functional integrative space, we're a lot more comfortable saying we don't know the depths of everything, but we're willing to kind of call to challenge and say, what we're doing right now isn't working the best either in conventional medicine. And you're saying, listen, fat and carb metabolism, it's so fascinating. And I'm loving the research, even in just menopause from, you know, Dr. Stacy Sims and her yeah. next level. I mean, it's so fascinating that a lot of our stuff we're taught in medical school is just outdated, you know, just eat less and work out more is not right. <laughs> that It's not going to work. And so when you're talking with patients, like with fatty liver, it's really cool that you're able to bring your expertise in and say, Hey, guess what? We need to think about these things differently. So for those that are listening that are, you know, unsure what is fatty liver and why are we worried about it in a nutshell, explain why we should be worried. Okay. That's an awesome
1: question that I love. So, uh, it's really part of metabolic syndrome. And so you. If you understand that fatty liver is truly a metabolic condition that's tied to multiple different metabolic processes that are the number one killer in the United States, one of them is heart disease, right? That's the top killer in the United States by a landslide before the pandemic. So if we focus only on fatty liver, fatty liver, fatty liver, or, you know, wait, 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 we're missing the forest for the trees in terms of longevity and living the objective of anyone going to the doctor is you're trying to be healthier. And why you want to live longer and healthier, longer longevity, health span, all that stuff. I love all of that. And that's probably very much why I'm into the cardiometabolic piece of things, but fatty liver is a metabolic dysfunction disease. And so if in and, and the underlying component physiology, there is insulin resistance. So why you have to care is because one, well, if we were just speaking of liver that we used to all the, the top cause of death was, you know, or the co- top cause of liver transplant and death was hepatitis C. So that got eradicated um, because there came out to be a treatment. This is, again, I'm dating myself. It happened while I was in a a GIPA and I'm like, all of a sudden we have this treatment. So now it's fatty liver and it's, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's a problem. It's a huge problem, but it's not still people that have fatty liver don't necessarily die of fatty liver. They actually still die of the comorbidities related to the metabolic dysfunction. So why do you have to care? Because if you um, let's see, Let's say you don't know that you have fatty liver or you don't even have it. Well, you still need to take care of your metabolic dysfunction because it's likely there in most of us.
0: Most of us have some degree of. Yes. Yes. I love that you brought it all back into that same metabolic. It's similar to PCOS or any of these, you know, syndromes that as Americans, let's face it, we're becoming more obese. We're living not as long. We are having more dementia, which is type three diabetes, you know, all these things are metabolism. And when all we have is a hammer and a nail, you know, in conventional medicine, say, well, just eat less, exercise more, you'll be fine. We're totally missing the rest of the forest because like you had mentioned, fatty liver isn't just your LFTs or abnormal, which I remember so many times in residency and in early practice where, eh, you might have a little fatty liver. We don't do anything about that, right? Right. Right. We don't do anything. Now I think back, wow, look at all this education that I missed with patients because fatty liver is more than just your liver having adipose storage and fatty liver and elevated LFTs. I almost wish it did have a pain symptom or hurting because nobody would know unless they get their levels checked. And when they know this and they feel disempowered, well, I can't do anything. My doctor says, we'll just keep checking my LFTs and just watch them rise. Here mm-hmm. you are swooping in saying, no, there's a lot you can do. And you're saying, not only is it helping longevity which studies show that's great knowledge, but people don't make habit changes based on 20 years down the line. Like, Oh, I want to avoid a stroke because yeah. we like immediate feelings. we like to know what is this doing for me now? And yeah. what you're showing people is now you're going to feel better when you eat differently. You're going to have more energy. You're going to yeah. probably lose a little bit of weight and have it redistributed. And that's, what's really going to keep those patients excited to come back for more. What things do you notice when people start eating differently? What's some of the first things you notice in your own patients?
1: Energy. I mean, that they say the afternoon slump is gone. They're sleeping better. They, they feel less brain fog. And look, I'm not even like a thyroid expert or anything like that. But when you think of brain fog, you're thinking of so many things. You're thinking of thyroid disease. You're thinking of potential celiac you're thinking of all kinds of you know other things dysglycemia but just changing up cleaning up the the diet getting some of those habits shifting the mindset so weight loss is i'm not a weight loss clinic right but weight loss is a side effect of all of a lot of our practices right it's just a side effect it does come and if the weight loss doesn't come the body composition absolutely comes my own um I'm a very thin, kind of thin-boned person, just like my father. And that doesn't mean I'm metabolically healthy, as we know my father is not. Um, and so, or was not. He's much better now. <laughs> but, you know, body composition really matters. I know I'm, I'm segueing, but, like, I was able to increase my lean muscle mass on a DEXA over a span of three years by a good percent. So, you know, when you see that objective data, I love data. Data drives behavior change big time. This is why I love putting my patients through the DEXA and I have access to that here. So that's really awesome. I love using chronometer. That's data. So data drives behavior change because people are on the chronometer are like, what? I thought I was, I was eating two salads a day and I thought I had enough fiber. Nope. You don't. (laughs) You know, it really drives behavior change. Um, And I think genomics is another area
0: that drives behavior change. And I know you love 3X4. I love 3X4. Love 3X4 genetics. It is so great because of that colorful printout you get, you get to understand your genetics in such a different way and like real tangible stuff to do. So patients love it too.
1: Yeah, they do. And, you know, my, my mentor in the genomics space always says, you know, Genes are just a signpost. They're not the, they don't, they're not going to tell you anything. But what they do is they drive behavior change. You're like, oh, okay, I respond better to this. So I'm going to do this more than this kind of exercise. Of course, we take that in. It's not, you can't just look at the printout and be like, oh, here's my formula. You really need a seasoned practitioner that's looking at that with your labs to
0: really get a personalized.
1: Oh, absolutely. You
0: know, yeah. Yeah. And that's the part that I know is that. That unfortunate uh, curse of knowledge. I feel like we initially have a little bit of a Dunning Kruger effect. Where we're like, oh, you know, at first glance, it looks easy. No, it's not. Like the more you learn about genetics and genomics and SNPs and all the things, methylation. I mean, I, I think I could read Ben Lynch's book five times and still I have to go back and go, oh yeah, what what was that again? You know, because genetics, of course, is not sealing our fates. Like you said, it's a nice roadmap of, okay, you might want to take this shortcut because that's not a good exit for you. You know, let's try and feel your body in different ways. I think, is that something that you use a lot in your personal practice? Did you use a lot of three by four or three X four?
1: Yeah, I really have it almost on everybody. And, um, I will say to your point about how long it takes to learn. I was in the six month training program for it twice <laughs> because I, to to really drill that science in, you've got to just, it's repetition, repetition, repetition. And then to understand more and more evidence coming out on the SNPs, like, and you really want evidence-based uh, literature on the SNPs, rather than just getting like, maybe like, you know, 23andMe where you get thousands of SNPs. You don't want thousands of SNPs. You really want the ones that show the evidence. So that's why I love, I love love that. Yeah. I use it it on pretty much everybody. There's sometimes I don't, if they already had their genes done, but then it's really hard to navigate those because, you know, they go through a completely different,
0: they don't. So true. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So true. Cause I mean, you know, I've had mine done 23andMe as well back in the day. And then once you see and this is not sponsored by 3x4 Genetics, but it's just so good. But once you see how careful they are at putting things through symptoms and algorithms and your goals and your individual SNPs, it really is a thoughtful process that can be, you know, useful for most patients. And as you and I have discussed many times before, functional, holistic, integrative medicine—you know, there's lots of terms for it it's always evolving. And we are those that are curious about that. We are those that are at that forefront and are loving to be that Sherlock Holmes going, okay, well, how can we get you feeling better? But the secret to it all is the more I'm in this, the more, I don't know if you agree or not here, maybe this is your question, agree or disagree. The more I'm in this, the more I realize mindset is like 80 to 90%. I mean, I can work hard with somebody on their gut or their adrenals or removing toxins and binding mycotoxins and mold. But if the mindset is still one of burnout of, you know, feeling like a victim or like you're hopeless or whatever it is, um, and we haven't worked on that, it's it's like, it's not going to do anything. And I don't know, do you feel like you agree or disagree or? You know,
1: I think I agree, but I would, and maybe this overlaps with mindset, but I think For me, it's that foundational work. Like if we don't make the time, so this is mindset, I guess, your mindset has to shift to making the time for the self-care. It's easier in our brains to be like, let me get on these supplements. Let me go maybe do this quick exercise. Let me go um, pay for this, whatever it is. But if we don't make the time for the self-care, whether that's cooking or exercise or stress management or whatever, which I mean, we ask our patients and ourselves a lot. You know, I was just talking to friends this weekend that are all in this age group where everyone's like, okay, we gotta start thinking about our health and making changes. I'm like, you know, it's like three hours a day. Like we're asking people to like, you know, it's a lot. (laughs) And so we can't can't ask our patients to give up that many hours a day to do self-care. But if we at least shift the mindset, which is what you're talking about, I think that you, that they start thinking that way and realizing the importance of how much time it takes to do self-work. Yes. You know? Yes. And I love,
0: I love that you, you actually said it's like three hours a day and you're absolutely right. Like sometimes I see that some of these big influencers that aren't even in the health field, but they're showing like all the things they do in their morning routine. I'm like, okay, like, how do you work? Like you have yeah. three hours that you're getting your cold therapy, then you're going for a run, then you're doing this yeah. and you're doing that. And you're it's like, what? And so as, you know, working moms, you know, we're like, we don't have time for this, but this is the beauty of mindset is you don't have to do it all. And like to show our patients, like you're living your life, you know, and this is what we talk about in Catalyst Mentorship is we are role modeling, like reality, you know, you meet people where they're at, you do what you can in the potpourri of self-care and you just make it a daily reminder that you know what am I doing to take care of myself? And that alone is pivotal. I'm sure you've had this experience when patients literally for the first time, maybe in decades, put themselves on their own priority list. I mean, that is not happening with moms usually. And when I tell them, I don't care what you do, if you're gonna go for a long walk or take a long bath or whatever, but like put yourself first. And do that every day, and make some changes. It's like it can be like life changing. So true, so true. Like,
1: yeah, and it is hard for women in that mindset to do that. And if I if I'm thinking about male patients, um, it's so different, right? Like, it's not that they. I don't have to push that as much as, gosh. Gosh, well, I don't
0: know. Let me ask you, what do you, what do you think? Yes. I think, well, I think this could be like a whole other talk, Shafali. but I really <laughs> do think it, you know, and this is all, you know, these things I'm assuming, right. You know, society has a lot to play into where you grow up, how you were raised as a child. Are you raised as female, you know, male? Also, what does that mean in your family system? Um, there's a lot of toxic masculinity that I feel like men, are unfortunately victims to. They can't express their feelings. They can't, you know, reach out and have friendships that are just simply friendships that support each other. Um, and this is changing, which I love. This is why I love Gen Z. You know, it's like they're like throwing it all out the window and they're saying, no, we're gonna talk about mental health, we're gonna talk about how this yes. isn't serving us, patriarchy, et cetera. And I also feel that women. If they don't have the support, like they're a single mom, asking them to do self-care is difficult. So trying to keep that mindset with every patient, you know, that- what is their unique circumstance and what can they do? Um, all of us could live a multitude of different lives. So I feel like, you know, it really does pay, make a difference if they are in a food scarcity, almost like a food desert. Do they have access to organic food? Are they adept in the kitchen? I am not. This is why I love people like you, Shafali, because <laughs> we all have our own ways of expressing our creativity and food can be very nourishing and creative. And oftentimes it gets put on that back burner. What can I put out for the kids really quick. What can I prep? How can I do this? And I am never going to be as, you know, just voluminous in my recipe choices as people like you that I admire, but doing the bare minimum, you know, of what I can do for my kids and my body is good enough. And I think what you're gifting your patients is that gift of saying, what can I do that's sufficient that I can move my needle just a little bit in a direction that is better than where I was. Right. Yeah. And that brings me to how I've prepared this talk for this, this group, because
1: um, there are some v- such, there's a great amount of low hanging fruit, alcohol, drinking, drinking less ca- calories, if you want to call it calories, but I don't even like to say calories, just drinking less standard American diet. Let's just Yeah. Say.
0: Drinking less inflammation. Really? Oh, oh yeah. I love that. Oh, can I use that? I love it. Please do it. Yeah. You know, if we did that less,
1: gosh, we'd make, move the needle a lot. If we do air squats, like I'm sitting here sedentary for the hour with this podcast, right? If I get up and just move for 10 minutes, maybe I do, I don't know, five minutes of air squats and a a plank and push ups. I, I will have improved- my metabolic fitness yes i will have because you know so it's it's little bits that really do make a difference and it's we can look objectively like i haven't personally looked at the science data on that specific thing but you know very many scientific uh clinicians science clinicians that i follow like lots of people in the biohacker community that do this deep dive Listen to them, listen to their podcasts, read their books. Um, they deep do a teacher yes. science. They'll tell yes. you it's very little you have to do up front to move the needle. And then once you've done all that foundational work, then you should be asking about should I be on keto? Should I be training in zone two instead of zone four? Don't worry about all that if you haven't done that foundational work. And when I say foundational work, I'm not just talking about moving the needle on getting off the standard American diet and moving your body, but I'm also
0: sleep and stress. So, all, you know, all four of those are huge foundation. and mental health. Love right? that. Yeah, love definitely. that. Yes. Oh my gosh. Love that. Absolutely. Everything you're saying. Um, It's, and here's a plug. I love Huberman lab. I mean, his <laughs> podcast is amazing. It's like two hours of such meaty <laughs> science that I'm like, oh my gosh, how do you do this? You know? Yeah. But yeah. I love it because it's so true. He goes deep into these fundamental things. And I'm loving that we're paying attention to these things because they are fundamental, getting sunshine, vitamin D, you know, getting out in fresh air. And mm-hmm. it sounds, you know, quaint and simple, but let's face it. We have for too long lived in an American society where it's very much go, go, go hustle culture. What can you check off your list? And unfortunately we still see that in our functional medicine offices, patients come in. Okay. What can, what supplements can I take? You just mentioned that a second ago and well, okay, well, I'll, I'll check out that one 5 minute meditation. Okay, I did that. It didn't work, you know. And and like changing that mindset to one of play and curiosity. Like what can we discover that you enjoy doing that you've never tried before? Yeah. I mean, you know, inviting patients to meet each other and what else can you do in your city, you know, and and make movement part of your day. Like I can just imagine you after this doing a plank. And you know what? I might too because I love planks. I'm always trying to beat my <laughs> My son, whenever he comes back from college, I'm like, all right, let's, let's see who can do it longer. But this kind of gamification of using our bodies and just having fun with it without a goal of, I want to be this much weighing, you know, pounds lost. I mean, just feeling good. Uh, so yeah, I love that you're bringing attention to this. What would you love the world to know about culinary medicine? Mm, that food really, okay. So food is
1: really was medicinal, so if it was medicinal in ancient um, medicinal philosophies, like Ayurvedic medicine, Chinese medicine, uh, can we call it, uh, uh, I don't know, what do you call it? Like, so like Aboriginal medicine or- mm-hmm. um, Yeah, med- like indigenous cultures, indigenous yeah. cultures medicine, right? All those, well, yeah, we don't have evidence to back any of that up because we couldn't do that back then. but. They evolved and worked for those cultures um, for years. So, if you think that food was medicine, it still can be medicine, with the caveat that it's not the only medicine, right? So, let's not get so, or let's not become orthorexic as a culture. Yes, let's enjoy food and community still. So that's where the. Moderation is key, but everything in moderation is such a phrase that's difficult because what doesn't what does that mean? You know, right? So um, I think food is medicine. So I want people to understand that culinary medicine is a, that food was medicine and it is medicine and it can heal you and be a source of vitality and energy and vigor and health to some degree. However, it doesn't always fit it's not going to be the end all be all so you still need you still need western medicine in cases you still need all the other tenets we talked about you know stress management and all that other stuff um and you still need conventional medicine
0: i love this uh, you know this is so all encompassing of our philosophies i know we've talked about this and again this is the philosophy in the catalyst studio and the mentorship that There's room for everybody at the table. Not one way is the healing way. And I love that you said food is medicine. It always has been. It always will be, but it's not the only medicine. I mean, you still need a surgeon. You still need a specialist. You still need, you know, Western, you need Eastern, you need all forms of medicine. And I love that you're bringing this full circle saying, look at the ancient wisdom that you can still learn from today and learn to strategically use it in your life. This is why I love what you're doing. You have your your food is medicine academy. You have all these different levels of offerings that you know just help people understand. And you work with practitioners. I just love what you're doing. Tell us a little bit more about your your business. If people would like to get a hold of you.
1: Oh, thanks. Okay, so we have the membership practice. That's um, to be a one-on-one patient. Uh, you need to reside in the state of Texas at this time to be a patient at the practice. And that would be, that includes, it's a membership and you have one on one visits and you ultimately, you know, graduate just like, just like in yours, Laura. And, um, but included in that is the Food as Medicine Academy membership also. So all patients get access to the Food as Medicine Academy. I'll tell you about that in a second. And then if you, Either can't be a patient in the practice or don't need that, you can just be a member of the Food as Medicine Academy, which is weekly virtual educational classes on food as medicine. So these are very education based with a culinary skills approach as well. So, an example of a class would be all about beets. And so we talk about how to prepare, how to store, how to source how to make them and then why would you incorporate beets in your diet anyway and how do they affect methylation um so that's gets a little nerdy at times but it they're only 30 minutes so they're very bite-sized classes i spend all morning preparing for them for the didactic piece and the culinary piece and then i shoot the class and then um and then i have to do a little social media you know about it and so a good you know uh, half Three quarters of the day of the pra- of my business goes to that. Um, and then we have like series. So we'll have many courses, like a whole set series on fiber this month because we really need to talk about fiber. <laughs> Love it. Um, and then the other offering is open to other practitioners. So the food is medicine is open to other practitioners where if they don't have a health coach or if they don't have a dietitian to refer their patients to or they don't have, you know, they need help on the meal plan. So practitioners can send their patients to the Food as Medicine Academy. It's a very low-tier good, very price uh, cost effective. Um, or if they want more one-on-one care for their uh, patient, or any patient could just come and get culinary medicine coaching as a member, and that ha- is strictly like, we're not doing any it, you're not you know, you're not my patient. We're not looking at anything like that. We're really doing a one-on-one food as medicine journey. Um, to help you really finalize, okay, what's the right diet where we do food journal analysis and all of that.
0: Like, Oh, that's wonderful. That is so wonderful. And I think I can't imagine anybody that couldn't, you know, benefit from understanding food as it relates to them and their likes and dislikes, because we all have different textures we might like or spices. And speaking of spices, so this Mm -hmm. is my creative question to you yeah um, before we conclude if you were to be a spice any spice at all what spice would you be Shali?
1: oh i love that i like star anise nobody knows about me they're intrigued i smell really good i taste amazing although that's really weird <laughs> i'm on that you taste um and um yeah, star anise. I love star anise. If you haven't played around star anise, you must uh, just get a few star anise. They they look like a star. They have little um, uh, little buds or seeds within the the star. I'm sure the term. I'm not using the right vocabulary here for the. I'm not. It makes sense. I can I can see it in my head. Star anise anatomy is words are not coming from <laughs> my head. So. Uh, anyway, star anise. And then I love other ones too. Of course, cinnamon. I love because cinnamon is so powerful as an antioxidant. Like we don't use it enough. And I know, um, I mean, God dried cinnamon. I think, did I talk about this at my, I did talk about this at my workshop last year, last week. It's just a powerhouse. Like some of these spices, uh, please put them in your food all day long keep them on your counter so you do. Turmeric, of course, we all now know about. I was going to just say one thing that reminded me is if you're kind of like me where you're very western trained and you just are thinking, "Oh my god. That is so whack, you know. I don't believe in any of that. I was like that." Okay. I my mom would be like, "You cannot walk on the floor marble floor because it is cold and you'll catch cold." And I'd be like, what, I just went to PA school. Ah, mom, please, there's no science behind that. And yes, I uh, it's true, there's no science about it still, I'm sure, I, well, I haven't done the research, but like I'm now a little more open-minded about that because she also used to tell me, drink Haldi every day. So Haldi is the Hindi Gujarati word for turmeric, right? I grew up being force fed turmeric which is now golden milk, like, it was, that's what I had to drink every night, right, Um, or definitely when I was sick, like, must have haldi bani or haldi dud, and I would, and now, I mean, we have all this literature, right, so now, because of that, that's where I'm just, because I'm just a little more open-minded about that,
0: (laughs) I love this. And I love it when my friends impersonate their parents. It's a, an inner joy of mine. I have a German neighbor that I've, I miss dearly. We were in the military together and her mother would say that you can't walk outside barefoot because you'll get a bladder infection, which is so interesting to me, like mm-hmm. interesting, mm-hmm. but I love how, you know, you recognize the wisdom that your parents shared and you're, you know, kind of circling back and just investigating it even deeper. And we're all the better for it. So Thank you so much Shafali. It has been an absolute bliss talking to you. Um before we conclude, where can people find more about you? Oh yeah,
1: sorry, you did ask that. Okay. So chefskitchen.com is my old cooking or was where I did a lot of um prior culinary instruction and cooking classes in the community. So that's chefskitchen.com with an s. My nickname Shafali, my name Shafali, my nickname is Chef with an S, so s-h-e-f-s kitchen.com. And that'll also point you to my medical website, which is precisionmetabolichealth.com. If you're seeking to be a member of any of those programs I talked about, you can go to either website, but precisionmetabolichealth.com is where you can book a free discovery call and chat with me about whether any of those would be a good fit for you or vice versa. So yeah, those two are the two websites. And then on social, I'm at Chef's Kitchen mostly or at Precision Metabolic Health. I feel like I have two identities that intersect and, you know- at some Don't point. we all? Yeah, yeah, we all do. We
0: all have like multiple, you know? Yeah. We're all made of lots of parts. So I am just so glad with everything you do, it's incredible. And I love that you're just innovating the practice of medicine in your own unique way, bringing ancient- food wisdom into modern times. So thank you Shafali and Chef's Kitchen. <laughs> and thank you listeners for listening to the Catalyst podcast and keep coloring outside the lines.
1: Thank you so much for having me. You're amazing. You've been a great mentor in the space and you're so welcoming to all, to
0: everything. You're just also very, very open-minded. So we really appreciate that about you. Oh, it's my pleasure. Absolute joy. It's, it's awesome just to Play. It's really like a sandbox. So, yeah, if you'd like to learn more about Catalyst Studio and mentorship, head to drlarasallier.com. And thank you again, Shafali.
1: You're welcome. Thank you.
0: Bye. Thank you for listening and subscribing. As a survivor of burnout, it is my mission to help health practitioners design a work life that is unique, joyful, and anti burnout, all by applying the neuroscience of creative flow in their daily life. If you're a holistic or integrative practitioner running your own clinic, Let me help make yours unique and creative with customizable functional medicine infographics. This is brand new with two subscription platforms to choose from. You'll have immediate access to over 56 infographics covering topics from mitochondria to gut to hormones to toxins. Premium subscribers get full editing capabilities to add their own logo and change text, fonts, etc it's perfect for patient handouts powerpoints social media and business flyers there's also added perks too like discounts off of my diy classes a free copy of my memoir complimentary mentoring session one-on-one with me and monthly email from inside the catalyst studio with content that i only share with my mentees head to rightbrainrescue.com if you'd like to learn more and keep coloring outside the lines